0: Hi, everyone. How are we doing? We are so glad you're here. If you're visiting today, welcome to Portico. We believe you needed to be here, and God has a word for you today. I'm going to ask our ushers to help us out. Would you get some Bibles in your hands? And if you need to borrow a Bible today, raise your hand real high. You can borrow these, leave it on the chair when you're done. We'll collect them. You don't have to take them back. But you can use this. Take it over to Genesis chapter 6. So the ushers are going to come down. You keep your hands up. We'll get them to you if you're over in our venues. There should be some Bibles there in the venue for you as well. And you can follow with us today. And if you are visiting for the first time, I want to remind you that Portico, we're one church, one message, many expressions. That means not only do we have venues here at this campus, but we have additional campuses. We have our Spanish campus and our Milton campus that are running right now. And uh, what a great thing God is doing here. We're so glad that you're a part of it. Very, very excited about our fall. Well, let's jump right in. In your bulletins, you're going to find a sermon outline that you can track with, or you can go to uversion.com if you want to do the electronic version, and you can take a few notes. We're in a series, it's called The Journey. And what we've been looking at is we've intentionally decided, I don't want to look at the highlight reels. I don't want to go to sort of those big, spectacular moments. I want to go to the reels that a coach goes into the locker room with, and they go, yeah, we didn't do it quite right there. And we could have been a little bit better right over there. And so when the coach meets with the team and they go, there's where we could improve a little bit. Because the Bible is filled with the stories of men and women, young people, young adults, who didn't get it right. But they stayed the journey. They never gave up. And at the end of the journey, they were faithful, God was faithful, and you got a great record. So I want to look at the parts of the story where sometimes we find it a little more relatable So we're maybe not so much Moses on the top of the mountain moment, but we're Moses with a staff in our hands striking a rock because I want to make sure that you leave, that I leave today, where we go, wow, God spoke to me, and that is going to apply in my life today. And I really believe we have a message for you today that's going to do that. So I, I do encourage you take some notes. I'm going to track along. You're going to find additional sources there. And please, get into one of our small groups because we can't deep dive all of the story, but we certainly can talk about it together in our small groups, and we encourage you to do that. So well, let's jump in. We're going to talk about Noah today. Noah is one of my favorite biblical stories. Did you know that if you were to do a cursory search... Just do a Google search and sort of go beneath the threads. If you were to do a cursory search, you would discover that nearly 500 ancient cultures or religions subscribe to some form of a global flood theory, some type of cataclysmic event, over 500 of them. Now, you might think, well, that's really interesting. So which one is the accurate one? Which one is the correct one? And, of course, I want to talk to you out of the biblical account because I believe this is actually where the biblical truth comes from, and a lot of this has been shared. Many people, though, when you talk about Noah, you know, they, see, they saw the movie, so they go, Whoa, if you guys believe in all that, I'm not sure I can track with you. But when we talk about Noah, a lot of people, they're filled with doubts or skepticism, and they, they sort of attribute the story more to myth and legend. But anthropologists, this is fascinating, anthropologists have studied all the cultures, and here's what they tell us, that when you have this many cultures that all believe, propagate, or hold a theory, which some elements of commonality to it, that it's not so much a myth, there's probably truth. Now here's the deal. In the telling and the retelling of a story, elements are added, elements are lost, or elements are modified, and so sometimes you lose the essence of the story. But at the core, anthropologists tell us, at the core, if you have this many people talking about it, then it probably happened. So today what I want to do is I want to take you in because I believe that the Bible presents not only compelling evidence for the occurrence of such an event, but it gives credible details pertaining to the people who lived, who died, and who survived this experience. And there's a story that goes much beyond simply the recording of the events, So the story of Noah is the biblical account. It's the record of one man who against all odds dared to trust God, and when he trusted God, he was proven faithful. It's a beautiful and a powerful story. So if you have your notes or your Bibles are open, I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. This is a man who heard the whisper of God, and he embarked on a journey of trust. Here's what it says. By faith, Noah... When warned about things not yet seen. Now that's the key phrase for us right there. That when Noah was told by God about things not yet seen, in holy fear fear, he built an ark to save his family. So what I want to do with you today is I want to step into Noah's world. And I want to have a look at Noah's world and find out what do we discover about Noah that's relatable to us? Because rather than a flanograph story or something that Bill Cosby does as a comedian... There's a powerful set of life principles. There's a lot of principles here, but there's a powerful set of life principles that I believe teach us how to embark on a journey of trust. And if you trust God, God is going to do incredible things in our lives. Now, I want you to set the context here. Can you imagine how difficult it was for Noah to trust God? See, we forget. We read the Bible, we pick it up, we read backwards. So we look back into history and we're going, well, it wasn't that hard, was it? But when you realize, the Bible says that Noah's culture had so digressed into a culture of immorality that it was so pervasive with evil. In fact, look what it says in your notes. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, "...the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only on evil all the time." I mean, it wasn't just that humanity was living out evil, evil in action. What the Bible tells us is that Noah lived at a time when the very thoughts that people were thinking were bent towards evil. And we know what happens when that occurs, that what we begin to think about, we ponder, we begin to live out. So the seed, the root, is always in the heart, and the heart begins to live out into actions. And so this is the culture in which Noah lived. Why do I phrase it for you? Because when we read the account of Noah, we go, well, that's so long ago. He was one remarkable individual. But I want you to see that this was a man that in spite of all the odds, and the odds were staggering against him, that a culture that was just immersed in rebellion and wickedness against God, that this man heard the voice of God, he heard the whisper of God, and he trusted God with his life. So the life story of of Noah is really the life story of trust. Now I want you to write this down. If you're taking electronic notes, type it out. If you're writing... I want you to write this up. This is going to be your takeaway this morning. And I told you you can tweet. Here's your tweetable moment right here. Trust is the journey you take between the whisper and the worship. I'm going to explain that for you. Trust is the journey you take between the whisper and the worship. Between the moment that you hear God's voice whisper to you and the moment that you worship God for the fulfillment of the promise that he whispered to you. Does it make sense? Think about this. Everybody wants to hear the whisper of God. Some of you, you're in the room this morning, you're going, I want God to whisper to me about my marriage. I don't like where we're at. I don't like where our relationship is going. I don't like the roughness of what we're experiencing. And it's just off the rails. And you are so desperate to hear the whisper of God. And I'm going to just unpack for you that trust is the journey you're going to embark on between when you hear the whisper and you see the promise of God fulfilled in your life. Some of you, it's in the area of healing because you're struggling with your health or you've received, again, news from a doctor. and It's just rocked your world and you're going, God, where are you in the middle of all this? And you think you hear His voice going, I am the God that heals and I am the God that preserves and I am the God that sustains. And so the whisper of God is there. But trust is the journey you take between the whisper and the promise fulfilled between the whisper and the worship. Or maybe it's your employment, or maybe it's in relationships, maybe it's with your education, uncertain about your future. Some of you, some of you, what you need to do is you need to become honest about the addictions that you're wrestling with. Your your facade is great. Nobody can see past it. And it's a beautiful thing that God's given us an ability that we can carry our presence strong and nobody sees beneath the veneer of our lives. But you know what your addictions are. And you live in shame and fear and you're afraid somebody's going to find out about it and that your whole world is going to implode and it's just going to crash on you. And so you keep the wall. You keep that right there. And you are so desperate to hear God whisper that I will be with you and I will deliver you. But trust, trust is the journey you're going to take between hearing that whisper today and the moment that you worship God when you see your life absolutely transformed because God can do it. And He does it all the time. And so whether it's uncertainty or whether it's fear or whether it's our struggle with aging, whatever the issue in our life is, it all comes back down to this. That when I look at the story of Noah, the story of Noah is not about a big boat. It's not about a global cataclysmic flood. Those are all spectacular things and Hollywood can run with them and yes, those things occurred. But it's about one man who against all odds dared to believe that he heard the voice of God. He trusted God from the moment of the whisper to the moment of the worship. And when you leave this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit will just seal that in your heart because I think every one of us, every one of us needs to have the whisper moment and then we're going to go on a journey together until the moment that we worship and it's going to be spectacular. Are you ready? Get your notes. Let's write this down. Here's the first thing I want you to learn from Noah's life. You need to trust that you can personally hear the voice of God. You need to trust that you can personally hear the voice of God. You go, man, Doug, that seems so base. Like, that's just... Kind of elementary, isn't it? No, not really. Can I tell you why? I have people who have repeatedly approached me, and this has been over the course of my ministry, and who will say, Pastor, I need you, or Doug, I need you to pray for me. You hear from God. Could you please tell me what God is saying for me in my situation? And they treat me like somehow I have, you know, this orb or this sort of this awesome presence. Okay, maybe I do. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But they treat me like I'm one of those chosen individuals, you know, like I'm that mystic sage that walks around. Ask my wife. There's not much mystery about me. And so they treat me. So when people ask me that, you know how I answer them? When they ask me, will you pray for me? I'll say, I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you. Because you can hear from God the same way that I can hear from God. Let's not mess this up. You can personally hear the voice of God. And I know there are a lot of skeptics that are going, no, 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 no. Just, just, let's stop right there. Like, are you telling me you can hear God's voice? Yes, I am. Because I think the Bible is just adamant about this point right here. And that's what I love about Noah, is that Noah, in the middle of a culture of wickedness, surrounded by all kinds of evil, is able to hear and discern when God speaks to him and he responds to that voice. Write down this reference, Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. This is very, very important to the story. Genesis 6, verse 9, it says this, Noah was a righteous man, he was blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. I read that verse for you for a very important reason. The ability to hear the voice of God is conditioned upon our relationship to God. That if we have barriers that are built up against God, if we have hardness of heart, if we have sin, if we have anything that will block the presence of God, we won't hear the voice of God, so we're going to depend on other people to do that. And that's often what happens, is we get our lives so messed up that we don't hear God speaking to us, and so we look to other people. And there are times when it's okay to have people pray for us, and there are times when prophetic words or, or words of encouragement or exhortation are given to us all good. But I don't want you to miss this. You can hear the voice of God personally, and you need to trust that you can. A couple of weeks ago, I was at the restaurant, and I was sitting with a business couple, wonderful couple, and just very, very successful. And we were talking about life and where they are and what their journey is all about, and they were asking me about the church here and what it's like leading this church, and uh, where are we at on our stage? And what's our future looking like? And at one point, I made some reference to my personal story. And I said, you know, there was a day when I heard the voice of God and their eyes were like, whoa. They were like, what? Like they got huge saucer eyes. And we're sitting in this restaurant and then all of a sudden one of them said, you heard God? And I said, yeah, I do. I hear God. Now, they're, they're Christ followers. They attend church. They're leaders. And they go, So what did you hear when you heard God? And I said, well, you know the voices you hear in your head? One of those voices could be God. Not all of them, but one of them. And you have to learn how to discern that because sometimes I have voices speak to me that they're not God. You know what I'm talking about? I have a lot of those. And usually they take me the wrong way and I have to go, sorry. But there are oftentimes I hear God. And so they probed a little bit deeper and they go, what did his voice sound like? So, of course, I was trying to think, you know, do I do a Charlton Heston imitation? Do I go Rambo? What do I do in that moment? And I said, no. I said, there are moments, not always. I don't want to misunderstand everybody like I'm walking around. They're going, check that boy into some loony bin. There are moments when God's audible voice is as clear to me as it is when I speak to you. And then there are moments where it's pretty quiet. But I trust that I can personally hear the voice of God, and I live my life that way. Does that make sense? And that's exactly what Noah talks about here, is that we need to understand, how do we hear the voice of God? Does God really speak to us today? Well, let me show you in the notes a couple of things. Look what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. The Lord came and stood, calling as at other times. He said, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Beautiful verse. Beautiful What's the story? What's the context? A young servant boy who was committed to serve at the temple, stayed overnight at the temple, lived at the temple, and served the high priest. One night he goes to bed, he hears his name, Samuel. He jumps out of bed, he races over to the high priest, and he goes, Eli, hey, did you call me? He goes, no, go back to bed, I wasn't calling you. Goes back to bed, lays down. Samuel jumps out of bed, goes back to Eli. Hey, did you call me? And Eli goes, no, you're irritating me, go back to bed. And uh, like a parent telling kids, go back to bed. So he goes back to bed samuel goes back eli he thinks he's playing games with him This old guys losing his mind and all of a sudden eli realized something see eli could no longer hear the voice of the lord he was allowing things in his life that were becoming barriers to the voice of god and eli remembered what it was like to hear the voice of the lord and he said hey samuel tell you what the next time you hear the voice just say speak lord speak your servant is listening Open your heart up. That young boy was so pure, so innocent, so devoted to God. Eli realized something. I am out of step with God, but this boy is hearing the voice of God. Can I tell you? You have the same capacity to hear the voice of God as Samuel did, as I do, as your neighbor does right now. It's a matter of having the trust that we know we can hear God's voice. What did Jesus say in John chapter 10, verse 27? It's in your notes. "My sheep listen to my voice. Isn't that beautiful? that he'd send his Holy Spirit to speak to us so that we could hear the voice of Jesus. Now we know, we know that we can hear the voice of Jesus through his word. We know that we can hear it through counsel of good friends, godly friends, that if I'm speaking to some godly friends, have you ever had one of those experiences where you're talking to a friend and all of a sudden you go, wow, that was God speaking to me right now. And you go, you don't have that much wisdom. It wasn't you. I know it wasn't you. But that was God speaking to me in that context right now. And that happens to me. I'll be counseling or I'll talk or I'll pray with somebody. Go, whoa, pastor, that was God's word for me. And I go, well, it's a good thing he gave it to you because I don't have enough wisdom to give you that stuff. But if we'll open our hearts, God will actually speak through us. That's pretty cool. So here's Noah on his journey of trust. And the first thing he discovered is you have to trust that you can hear the voice of God. A couple of years ago, uh, Laura and I attended a conference together and when we were at this leadership conference, we had sat down and we had discovered for the first time just a different way of doing devotions. It was called Life Journal. And we learned how to, take a, how to take your Bible. And, you know, we did our devotions in a different way. But just this is a different sort of a format where we would do a Life Journal. And you'd sit down, you'd read a portion of Scripture, and then you would ask a question. You know, what is God saying here? And then what's the application for my life today? And then we'd pray about it. So it's, you know, S-O-A-P, So for your soul. So that was the Life Journal. We came back, and many of you that attend our church at the time, we introduced that to our church community. So said, this is a powerful way for us to be able to communicate with God and hear the voice of God. I actually introduced it to my entire staff. So once a week we'd get together, and we would sit down and we'd have our staff gathering, and it'd be our devotional time, and I'd have them all gather around and we'd put them all around different tables, and they would take their Life Journal, they'd take their Bibles, and I'd let them read a section of Scripture. And then I'd ask, I want you to read. Then I want you just to ask a question, what is God saying here? What does God, ask the Holy Spirit, tell me what what it is God wants me to know about this text right here. And then write down how it applies to your life and then we'll all pray. So we would do that together and we were going through our Life Journal exercise. I'll never forget, I was in my office and this was uh, quite a while later, there was a knock on my office door and one of the staff said, can I come in? Can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And when they walked in, they just sort of pushed the door behind them, closed the door. Their eyes were full of tears. And they just said, Pastor Doug, I want to thank you for introducing us to the Life Journal. And, you know, of course, I just said, well, you're welcome. They said, no, you don't understand. I've never heard the voice of God before, and now I do. I've now learned how to discern his voice that when I'm reading and I ask him to speak to me, I hear God's voice, and I know it's him. And friends, that's the power of the journey that we're on, that the whisper of God is personal, and you'll hear if you trust that you can hear God's voice. That's what Noah teaches me. So, yeah, I love the dramatics, and I love everything that God did there, but when I look at one man in a culture that challenged him, he dared to believe that God would speak to him personally. Here's the second thing I want you to put in your notes. Not only trust that you can hear the voice of God, this is the bigger challenge now. You need to trust when your voice questions God's voice. You need to trust when your voice questions God's voice. Now, I would venture to say that Noah had a few of these moments. In fact, based upon the reading of the Scripture out of Hebrews chapter 11, it says... Noah, by faith, obeyed God when he began to respond to things that he didn't even know about. So think about the story here. God says to Noah, I want you to build me an ark. What's an ark? Like, we don't have those. It's not like you run down to the local store and go, hey, could you build an ark for me? I need an ark. God asked for an ark. And God says, I'm going to give you the description. I'm going to tell you how to build it. And I just want you to trust me with this thing. At some point... Noah must have begun to question God's voice. Not only that, he goes, oh, by the way, it's going to flood. I'm going to flood the entire world, and it's going to just destroy all the wickedness in the world. Now, again, we read backwards so we don't pick up on the emotion of the story, but what would you have done if you were Noah? And you're having a little personal conversation with God, and God says, "Uh, listen, I know that you have no idea what an ark is. Build it. Okay, is it really you, God? Speaking to me? Oh, and by the way, I'm going to flood the world. What's a flood? And it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And some scholars question whether or not there had even been rain. Uh, You know, was it even possible, and how was the world structured at that time? Regardless of the facts around the story, Noah was being asked to do something that he had no understanding of, but he simply trusted God. Even in those moments when his voice would question God's voice, when he was warned about things that are not yet seen. And so at some point, Noah had to walk this through and go, Wow, is God really speaking to me? And did he really tell me to do that? Have you ever had a moment where your voice questioned God's? Yeah, I have. I've had those moments. We were living in Michigan. And uh, we were leading, working in a church down there, and everything was going great. We went to a midweek service, much like our new community. It's coming up this week. You should come. It's a great night. And we were at our new community service there in the midweek. At the end of the night, a friend of mine who was living in Singapore had come back. And he was seated over in this section, and I was over in this section. And at the end of the service, he called to me, and he said, Hey, Doug, you know, sort of reconnected. It was good to see him. And he goes, I don't know how to tell you this, but he said, I feel like God has given me a word for you. He said, like a prophetic word. Can I share it with you? And I said, sure. So he wasn't being directional. He wasn't telling me, this is what you've got to do. He just, I want to leave it with you. You pray about it. And I said, sure. What's the word? He said, I feel like God told me you're going to be a pastor to the nations of the world. And I listened to him, and I looked. Now, in the words of that famous musician, Stevie Wonder, our church was more ebony and ivory. In fact, we were more ivory than ebony. And I thought well that's a weird prophetic word like I'm going to be a pastor to the nations of the world and we have like two samples in the room and so Laura and I we talked about it and we prayed about it and we thought well that's sort of neat I thought well, maybe I'm going to be involved in global missions maybe God is going to change something and then the time started to move on and a couple of years went by and I never forgot the word and I thought well that's that's really weird God maybe you got the name wrong like maybe my friend misunderstood and there was another Doug in the room he got the wrong Doug, right? So this is what we do. So I'm going, "Um, you know, God, I trust you, but now I'm confused because it's been a couple of years. And as time went on, you just kind of cherished that, and I moved it off into a different part of my heart. And I thought, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just wrong. Maybe it wasn't for me, and I'm not going to change my life. I'm just going to keep moving forward. Well, a few years went past, and suddenly we found ourselves that God was stirring, that we were going to move, and we were moving back to Canada. And I had already forgotten. By this time, I had forgotten about that Word, and I had assumed my new responsibility at the church that I was serving at the time. And I remember going to the office, and I was sitting in my office one day, because I only work one day. I golf five, and I work one, just to be clear. And so I was sitting in the office one day, and I was sort of reflecting, and God brought that Word back to mind. And He said, You'll be a pastor to the nations of the world. And I thought, Wow, but God, this church... Doesn't he have any ebony in it? We had one family; we were all ivory, and I thought, how is this working? And so I found this tension, this tear between reconciling what God kept nudging my heart with and my reality. And so I just sort of, well, I don't know how it fits, but I'm not going to get stressed about it. And it was a few years that went past, and we got a phone call from the chair of the search committee for this church here. And he called and introduced himself, and he said, we'd like to talk to you. We have a vacancy for the senior pastor role. We'd like to talk to you. Would you be interested in meeting with us? So I met with the board, and I met with the staff. And then we agreed that we would come on a Sunday morning, and we would preach to the congregation. And then following the Sunday morning service, all the members would vote on us. And talk about, you know, America's got talent. Talk about pressure. God's got talent. It's like... Hey, how did I do, everybody? You know, it's kind of, that's sort of the, you know, that's how we determine God's call. Eh, He's out. Some of you are going, let's redo the vote. But uh, May 27th, 2001 is when we came to the church at the invitation to preach the call that day. And I remember coming up to the church and there's sort of that nervous anticipation of what's going to take place and what is this church like and how are you? And you're asking who is this guy and what's he going to be like? And I was walking down the hallway here and at that time they had a couple of chairs that would be up on the platform and most of the speakers would sit up here. And they were about to, you know, they would invite me to come over and speak and then have the business meeting. And I remember right over here to my right-hand side, the doors. When I walked through the doors and my foot stepped onto the platform, As clear as I talk with any of you, I heard the voice of God say, Welcome home. And that was before the vote. So in in that moment, I totally shifted because not only did that happen, and immediately he brought that prophetic word, that declaration, You'll be a pastor to the nations of the world. And I started to look around the room, and I realized, God, you're going to do something amazing in this city. And you know, friends, today, uh, they just told me about a month ago that we have around 71 nations represented in this congregation. Isn't that great? I love, I love this church. Why do I share that story with you? Because you need to trust when your voice questions God's voice. Did you know that it was almost seven years from the time my friend gave me that word to the time that it was fulfilled when I walked in this room? But we are such an impatient culture. We're so driven with busyness that if God doesn't answer in 24 hours, then we go, what is wrong? I must have misheard God. And God goes, what's time? What is time? If you trust me, I will fulfill my purposes for your life. And he proved it even in my life here. Thomas had to learn the lesson the hard way when he heard about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, Thomas, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. And he goes, unless I see with my eyes, unless my hands can touch his his wounds, I will not believe. He didn't have the faith. He didn't have the trust. And Jesus spoke to him. It's on the screen for you here. Jesus said to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What is he saying? Blessed are those who, when they hear the whisper of God, will trust me until the moment they worship at the fulfillment of that promise. How beautiful is that? Trust is the journey that you take between the whisper and the promise. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. So if we trust Him then God will answer our desires and He'll lead us in the direction we are to go. Go back to your notes. Here's the third thing I learned from Noah's life. Trust when all other voices are against you. Trust when all other voices are against you. See, when I look at Noah's story, again, because we can read the synopsis of the story, we lose the tension. There's a dynamic tension. Because when God spoke to Noah... He said, I want you to build an ark. And everybody goes, that's kind of cool, build an ark. So he starts building an ark. Most scholars, get this, most scholars believe that it took somewhere between 80 to 120 years to finish the construction of the ark. Now, when you think about that, the longer the period of time, the greater the opportunity for the dissipation of trust. Because if you heard the voice of God, but it's not fulfilled quickly, you begin to question not only do you begin to question, now other people begin to question God's voice. And you have to learn how to trust when the other voices are against you. So what would this look like for Noah? Well, I have a feeling, I don't know, I just, it's not in any of my notes, but I have a feeling that he probably went home one day and he goes, hey, to the family, I heard God speak to me. And God told me to build an ark. And they're going, what's an ark? So the boys, you know, what's an ark, Dad? Don't know. He goes, it's, it's like a super ship, like a big boat. They're going like a cruise ship. Yeah, ship. We love vacations, Dad. Build the ark. So Noah goes, okay, I'm going to build an ark. We're all going on a family vacation. Pretty cool idea, isn't it? This isn't all biblical, by the way, just so some of you are tracking. So they he goes, I'm going to build this ark. So he starts building the ark. So year one goes by, Noah's out there, you know, bam, 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 building the ark. You know what kids are like? If it doesn't happen right away, they start asking you, like, what's taking so long? Like, Dad, when are we going to go on vacation? You said we're going to go on vacation. So somewhere right around year three, Dad, why is it taking you so long? You said we're going to go on a vacation. We're not going on a vacation. And now the voices of the family began to question the voice that Noah heard. Right around year five, I'm only imagining, but right around year five, any of you men ever started a renovation project that's still not done? Do you know the voice of the unfinished renovation project? Oh, I have that voice in my life too. I, I love that voice, but I have that voice. I know the voice. I have all kinds of those projects going on in my world. So right around year five, there's the unfinished renovation project, right? And it's like, are you ever going to get this thing done? Are you sure you heard the voice of God? A few more years tick past. Now Mrs. Noah shows up. And she goes, Noah, i got a question. Yes, honey? Are you sure you heard the voice of God? Yes, honey? Are you sure that God said, build an ark? Maybe he said, build a park. (laughs) A park. Eden lion safari. Of course it makes perfect sense. It wasn't supposed to be an ark. Trust when the other voices are against you. Now, the Bible tells us that he was surrounded in a culture that was bent on evil and wickedness. That means he was dealing with cynicism, skepticism, doubt, anger, He was living with all of that outside. But can I tell you, sometimes the hardest part of our trust is the journey that we take with those that are the closest to us. It's the voices of family and friends and relatives and small group members who don't know how to trust or don't have the faith to believe that what we heard was the voice of God and can walk with us and support us through that. And friends, this happens so easily. It's the voice that questions, are you sure you're doing what God has called you to do? I'm not sure God would really ask you to do that. And we need to learn, and what I learned from Noah is I need to learn how to trust even when all other voices are against me. You know, one of the things that's so beautiful in my life and Laura's life is when our son Kyle was born, we we dedicated him back to the Lord. And we recognized immediately Yes, we are the biological parents, but his heavenly father is the one who gave his life into our hands. We just gave him back and said, God, we'll do our best to parent and lead him, but we want him to hear your voice, not just our voice. And I remember he was in grade 11, he was getting ready, he was planning his future out, and he was all wired up around technologies and computers and everything, and picked out his university and knew where he was going to go. And he went home one day and he had a talk with Laura, and she said, Well, why don't you chat to your dad? And I came home from the office and he said, Dad, can we talk? And I said, yeah. He said, I know that I've oriented my entire life. I've done all my studies towards this. He goes, but I feel like God is saying I should go to Bible school. And he goes, and it doesn't make any sense because I've done all of this. And I said, do you know that you heard God speak to you? He goes, yeah, but I don't know where it's supposed to go. I said, I don't want you to answer that question. I only want you to hear his voice and obey step by step by step. I said, because what we try to do is predict the outcome. And God says, no, no, I know where I'm taking you. I just want you to obey me on the journey there. And our dream and our prayer for him and for all of you would be the same that we would learn how to trust God, even when the other voices are against us, that we would obey in the moment and do. And mom and dad, learn how to release your kids into the hands of God because God has incredible dreams for their lives. God is the God of the impossible. God is the God that will raise them up and use them as incredible leaders. Some of them can be leaders in this nation. Some of them can be global workers serving missions. Some of them will lead corporations, and some of them will just serve in whatever capacity God calls them to. But as parents, we have to learn not to be the contrarian voice that discourages them and leads them away from where God has taken them to. And so Noah teaches me, this is how you trust. And you trust even when all other voices are against you. The reference is in your notes. It's when Paul was on his way back to Jerusalem and Agabus and all of the people were trying to discourage Paul, saying, don't go, don't go. Don't go back there. You're going to suffer. You're going to die. And then here's what Paul said when he heard this and we and all the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. I've heard the whisper of God, Paul was saying, and I'm willing to trust God right through to the worship, even if the worship is the sacrifice of my life. That's the power of what it is to trust God. So you need to trust when the other voices are against you. Genesis 7, verse 5, it says, And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. The hardest part is listening to someone you can't see. The hardest part is keeping your heart still before the presence of God and understanding that God wants to speak to you. And like Noah, living blamelessly, righteously, and faithfully, so you can hear His voice. But friends, when we do that, if it's your marriage, if it's your health, it's your education, it's your finances, if it's a business adventure, whatever you're laying before the presence of God, listen to the whisper. Trust Him all the way through. And there will be a day, like Genesis chapter 8, when God sets a rainbow over the sky and Noah had built, a, built an altar to worship God. And in that moment, God says, I'm going to crown your faithfulness with a rainbow. And as Noah worshiped God, the fulfillment of that whisper took place. I pray for you the wonder of what it is to hear the voice of God and then the ability to raise your hands and say, thank you for fulfilling what you promised me. Is that your heart's desire today? Own it. Embrace it. Regardless of what you're walking through, God is there for you. Let's pray. So, Father, this morning, we lay this into your hands. In the busyness of our world, in the accelerated pace of our culture, the hardest thing that we have to do is listen, to be still and know that you are God. May all of us have the wonder and the awe, the experience of hearing the voice of our God speak to us.